0: Uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. We'll be reading verse 23 through verse 25. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your word speaks about the subject we're going to talk about today, and that is going to church. And I thank you, Lord, we have clear instruction from your word, and I pray you'd help us as we look into your your word today and, and as we glean things, Lord, that are good reasons why we should go to church. I thank you for everyone who's here today. And we rejoice today, Lord, in being able to sing the songs of praise. And we rejoice that Sister Jean has been able to sing for us today what a blessing that has been. We ask now, Lord, that you would deal with each of our hearts, make us more faithful because of the message, those who know Jesus. And if there's someone here who doesn't know Christ as their Savior, I pray that today would be the day that they trust you. Give enablement to bring the message, get honor for yourself. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're dealing with the subject, why go to church? It's a much needed message because church attendance has been failing drastically in the United States over the last several years. This will have tragic results for our country and for us as individuals who do not go to church. Anyone who doesn't go to church, who's a Christian, they're going to have results that are not good because of that decision. In 1937, 73% of Americans said they belonged to a church, a synagogue, or some religious organization. As late as 1999, 70% said they belonged to a church, a synagogue, or a mosque. In 2021, that number has fallen; had fallen to 47% which is less than half, and since that's 21, this is 23, it's probably worse even now. But even that is deceiving, because only 22% of Americans said they attend church weekly. Only 11% 11 said they attended once a month, and 31% said they never attended. Now, considering that 63% of Americans identified themselves as Christians in just last year, down from 78% in 2007. We know that Christians are surely not what they're supposed to be today. So with church attendance on decline, I want us to consider this morning some Bible reasons of why we should go to church. Why we should go to church. Now I'm going to give you several reasons, and I hope that you'll take note of these. And we're going to give you nine reasons why you should go to church. And I believe all these can be supported from the Scripture. First of all, we should go to church because Jesus is building his church. You see, the Bible said in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus spoke and he said, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock. What was that rock? That was, the, that, was that great statement that Peter made, and that is, thou art, the, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's what Peter said. And he said, You're Peter, a little rock in the, in the Greek and upon this rock, a larger rock, that is what you just said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That doesn't mean that hell's is going to attack us and, we, and, we'll not be, and we'll be able to withstand it. That means we are attacking hell. That means we are actually opposed to hell, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. God says the church will be victorious. So how does Jesus build the church? He builds the church with saved people. Acts chapter 2, verse 41, after Peter preached that message at Pentecost, it says this, the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And then later in verse 47, it says, the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. The Lord added to the church daily those that were saved. Now, saved people are members of the church, the body of Christ, that we can sometimes call the universal body of, of Christ. That means Christians all over the world. We are a member of that body of Christ. But in the New Testament, it makes clear that people in that body of Christ are to assemble locally where they live in local churches. And so if God added you to the church, you got saved, the Lord added you to the church, you're a part of the church and so that means you are supposed to be a part of that local assembly because God puts you in his church. So God's building the church. That's a good reason for us to go to church, the local church. Now, Paul established churches wherever he ministered the word of God. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts, his travels, that he went on these missionary journeys, and everywhere he'd go, he established a local church. And later he wrote letters to those churches. Now one he hadn't been to yet was Rome and he wrote a letter to them he heard about that church and so he re- wrote a letter to Rome to the people the saints at Rome the churches at Rome then he wrote to the people who were in the in the church at Corinth then he wrote to Galatia and Ephesus and Philippi and Colossae and Thessalonians and then sometimes he says to the saints, and sometimes he says to the church, but in all those all those passages it mentions the church. All those books it mentions the church. So he's talking about the church. So Paul's writing letters to the church. The word church is also used in 1st and 2 Timothy, in the book of Titus and Philemon, and Hebrews, James, 1 Peter, 3 John, and the book of Revelation, the Lord wrote to the seven churches. And so, church is God's program. It's what God has ordained, and it's the way way God's doing His work today. So, New Testament believers in the Bible, in the New Testament, believers were always associated with some church. And uh, the only one I can think of that maybe wasn't, but he probably later became, that was when Philip uh, ministered to the Ethiopian eunuch. And he went back, probably went back home, and uh, there was a church probably built, but the Bible makes it clear that believers are to be a part of a local church. I sometimes meet people and they say, oh, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. And they'll give me reasons. sometimes. They'll say, because this happened in the church I went, or that preacher did this, or that, whatever the might, reason might be. Listen, folks, if you are a Christian, if you've been put in the body of Christ, you are saved, you're in the body of Christ, then your, your excuse for not going to church should not be given to me or anybody else. It should be given to God. Because it's God's program, not man's program. So if you go to church and the preacher messes it up, and I mean it's a bad situation and you want to get out of that church, you don't have the right as a Christian just to quit going to church. You're supposed to go to church because God is building His church. He's building it up saved people, and people are to be involved in that church. And another reason, the second reason, because God commands us to go to church. Hebrews chapter ten, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. Forsaking means not letting down or not abandoning. Uh, do not it say. It actually says this: Do not quit going to church. <laughs> So it's a command of God. Do not quit going to church, but to but assemble together. And so uh, people who know Jesus are to assemble together. And that's what, in fact, that's what the word church means. It's a called out assembly, ekklesia in the Greek. It's called out assembly. And so God's called us out of the world to assemble together in churches. We are a part of the body of Christ, the great church, the universal, we might say, church, the people who lo- know the Lord all over the world, but we are to assemble in local churches and to serve him there. As the manner of some is, he says. That means even back then, people were uh, developing a habit. As the manner or the custom or the practice of some is, he says, they were doing that back then. And he says, quit doing that, uh, quit a. Uh, uh, a not meeting together, you are supposed to go to church. So God commands us to go to church. Now let me give you the third reason. The third reason is this, because the devil does not want you to go to church. It's interesting that most of the messages i brought about why the devil comes up, he doesn't want you to do this. He doesn't want you to pray. He doesn't want you to live godly. He doesn't want you to trust God. He doesn't want you to wait on God. He doesn't want you to read God's word. He doesn't want you to do any of that. And the same is true here. He does not want you to go to church. Now, how do I know that's true? Well, at the church, the word of God is preached. And what does the Bible say? The devil's in the business of taking the seed and snatching it from your heart so you won't listen to it. He doesn't want you to go to church. He doesn't want you to hear God's word. Then another reason I know that is the Bible says of Demas in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse, verse um, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. It says, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Demas worked with Paul. What was Paul doing? Establishing churches. When he was with Paul, he was in a church. <laughs> And he says, Demas hath forsaken me. Now, who was Demas? Well, the book of Philemon uh, tells us in verse 24 that, that Demas was a fellow laborer of, G- of, of Paul. So he worked side by side with Paul. But what, what happened? He fell in love with the world. And who's behind the world? The, 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 uh, the devil's the god of this world. <laughs> and so Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. You can look at Demas and say the devil had the victory. So if you're laying in bed one Sunday morning and you're you're well enough to go to church, but you decide not to, guess who's winning the victory? The devil is. He does not want you to be here. He does not want you in church. And so the devil doesn't want us in church. That's the third reason. Then there's another reason. The fourth reason is this. Because we need to hear God's word preached in church. Now, I know I've said lots of times in Hebrews 10, 25, it says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some ends, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I've said a few times that uh, that verse doesn't say, even though I would like for it to say, uh, forsake not the assemblings of yourselves together because you need to hear the preacher preach. It doesn't say that. It says you need to encourage one another. But in the context, you know, it really does say that. Because look at verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Let's hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Well, what did Paul do when he established churches? He preached. And what did he he preach for? Well, to get people saved, but also to establish them in the faith. And it says here in verse 23, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. And as Paul preached, and as he wrote letters to the people, he was trying to. It was telling them, uh, you know, I want you to hold fast. I want you not to waver. I want you to keep on believing what I taught you. I want you to believe. And the word of God was preached. And so we're not not to waver. And so we really need that word of God preached. The Bible tells us in Hebrews, rather in Second in Timothy chapter four. If you if you want to turn there, Second Timothy chapter four. Um, it, it says this in verse 2 Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will, ha- will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Now, who was Paul writing to? He was writing to Timothy. Who was Timothy? He was one working in a church. <laughs> And he was pastoring there. And he said, in the church, here's what I want you to do, Timothy. I want you to preach the word and preach the word. So we should go to church because and the church is where we hear the word of God preached. Uh, In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, he tells Paul, he tells Paul, or rather Peter says this in verse 2, feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not with for filthy lucre, but a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, a pastor not to be a lord over God's heritage, and but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. He's instructing pastors. He says to them, he says, feed the flock of God. So I take it seriously when I stand up here to, to preach. I, I don't I don't stand up here to preach and just wonder what I'm going to say. I don't stand up here and hoping the Lord will fill my mouth, you know. i got an idea what I'm going to preach about. No, when I stand up here to preach, I know about everything I'm going to have, that I'm going to say to you. Why? Because I've studied for hours, preparing a message so that you would know what the Word of God says. And so this morning, I give you reasons from the Word of God, I believe, that we should go to church. And we should go to church to hear God's Word. The Bible says in in 2 Timothy chapter 3, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction and righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Why come to church? So you can hear the word of God preached that will help you to be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And so God wants us to go to church to hear the word of God. Another reason, reason number five is this because we need to minister to one another. We need to minister to one another. It says that in verse 24 of Hebrews, and uh, he says this, and let us consider one another to provoke and to love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. So when we meet together, we are to consider one another, and we're to, it says, consider one another to provoke and to love and to good works. We're to provoke unto love and to good works. Provoke means to stir up. It means to excite people. And it's the job of a pastor to help people see the Word of God and make them want to obey the Word of God. And if sometimes in a message you are scolded, it's not to be against you, it's to stir you up so that you will do what God wants you to do. And we will do what God wants you to do. The message isn't just to you, it's also to me. And, and believe me, it came, it came to me before it came to you because I studied and the Lord sometimes convicts me when I'm preaching, when I'm studying. And then when I preach, it's a, a message to you and it's a message to me as well because we're preaching the word of God, not what I think, but what the word of God says. And so the word of God is to be preached. And the Lord says, we need to go to church to minister to one another and we need to provoke them or stir them up unto love and to good works. Unto love, we are to love each other, and as we do that, we will stir each other up to do the same. You know there's nothing that'll help you love somebody uh, each other more than other people loving you. <laughs> I mean, you understand that people love me here, and I feel secure and and so I start loving people, I start caring about people, and it's contagious. Love is contagious, and so we're to do that we're to provoke one another unto love and to good works. 1 John chapter 3, an interesting passage. It talks about us loving. And 1 John chapter 3, it says in verse 14, We know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. So if you're a Christian that doesn't like to go to church because you don't like to be around other Christians you need to have a great big question mark of whether you truly know Jesus or not. Because you notice this says, and we know, now later we'll share a verse that other people will know, but it says, and we know that we have passed from death into life. In other words, we've been saved because we love the brethren. And if you can't stand the brethren, it's a good good indication you're probably not saved. Because the brethren in Christ, other people who are saved are your family. They're the family of God. I like it when I meet people, you know, that I've never met before, and I'll ask them if they're a Christian, and they'll say they ha- are. Say, have you trusted Jesus as your personal Savior? And they said, yes, I have. And I say, then you're my brother or, my, or my, you're my sister in Christ. And I've said that to people in airports, you know, and, and on the plane and different places I've been. I've never met them before, and I find out they're a Christian, and I say, you're my brother or my, or my sister in Christ. Because they are, and we're to love one another. And God says we're to love. And people will know, that we will know that we're a Christian when we love one another. Now look at chapter 4 of of 1 John, in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. One of the indications that you're a Christian is that you love people, especially the brethren. You love them. Also look at verse 7. Verse 20, it says this, If a a man say I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. Now, God said that, not me. He is a liar, and he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Now that's God saying that. And so it's very important that we love one another. It's important we come to church so we can provoke or excite one another to love each other. That's one of the reasons. And then also says unto good works. Ephesians chapter 2 says we are cre- we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. When God saved you, you are his workmanship. I mean, he did it. You didn't. He made you a child of God. You didn't. He, he put his spirit inside of you. That was his initiative. He did that. He changed you. He gives you new desire. That's God's work. And we are his workmanship. And one of the reasons that he forms us as a child of God is so that we might have good works. Jesus went about doing good. We as Christians are go about doing good, being good to people. And so we are created unto good works. 1 Timothy 6.8 says we are to be rich in good works. Titus 2.14 says we're to be zealous of good works. Titus 3.18 and 14 says we are to maintain good works. So being around people who are doing good works... It just has a, an effect on you that you want to good, do good as well. And so that's one reason we come to church, so that we might minister to each other. And then also, we're to encourage each other. That's what verse 25 says. But exhorting one another. Exhorting. The word exhorting means encouraging. Christ, uh, uh, ch- the church is to be involved in one another relationships. We're to encourage one another. I have a pastor friend who's been my friend since I was in college. His name's uh, Brother Andy Davis in in, uh, West Virginia. And Andy has had a ministry for several years of helping struggling churches. And he'll go into a church, maybe they've lost their pastor and they're struggling, and uh, he will minister to them and try to get them where they should be. And one of the series of messages he preaches during that time is one another relationships. It's interesting how the Bible speaks of one-another relationships. We're to love one another. We're in honor to prefer one another. We're to receive one another. We're to admonish one another. We're to greet one another. We're to serve one another. We're to forbear one another. We're to forgive one another. We're to bear one another's burdens. We're to comfort one another. We're to edify one another. And let me ask you a question. How can you do all that one-another if you're not together? How can you be a a Christian out there? I'm not associated with any church. I just worship the Lord. You know, I go out in the woods or something, and I worship the Lord at home, and I don't need to go to church. Well, that's not right, my friend. You do need to go to church because God tells you to. And you're to do all these one another things. And how can you do the one another things if you're not there? If you never show up, how are you to have a ministry to one another unless you do that? And so God says we are to minister to one another. Another reason, the sixth reason we are to go to church is this. Because we will miss a blessing if we do not go to church. Now, I don't have a scripture verse to say this, but uh, let, me, let me share some things with you. We'll miss opportunity to worship together. One of the things we do in church is we worship together. I mean, it was a blessing today to hear Sister Jean sing, The Old Rugged Cross. Bless my heart. She was worshiping the Lord while she sang that, and we are worshiping the Lord as well. We we're adoring him and thanking him. And uh, when we sang He Lives and the family of God and things like that, you know, it, it just touches your heart, and you're worshiping the Lord. If you don't go to church, you miss the opportunity of worshiping the Lord together. You say, well, I worship the Lord. Well, do you do it together? The Lord wants us to. We miss an opportunity to hear a testimony of God's goodness. And sometimes we'll share testimonies. And when somebody tells you what the Lord's done for you, if you're not here or for them, if you're not here, you'll miss it. You'll also miss, a, miss the opportunity to provoke one another to love and good works and to encourage one another and all those other one another relationships. You'll miss that out. You'll miss out on that. So if you don't go to church, you're going to miss something. How many times have I heard people say, Oh, I, I'm I, I hated I wasn't there when you told me what happened. You know, I was gone to Florida the other day, and uh, Barney texted me and said, had a good service, so many was in attendance, and somebody got saved. I, thought, and I wasn't there. <laughs> I was somewhere else in church, but I wasn't there. I missed something. Well, you always miss something when you're not in church. You miss a prayer. You miss a smile. You miss a handshake. You miss a hug. You miss seeing that saint that you love that person who's going through trials and you could have maybe encouraged them, you missed out on that. You missed a soul being saved. You missed a message from God's word. You missed encouragement from God's people to keep on for Jesus. You see, if you don't go to church, you'll miss something. Now, related to that is the next reason, the seventh reason that we should go to church, and that is because we'll miss out on a meeting with Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? If you don't go to church, you'll miss out on a special meeting with Jesus. He's here today. He's with us. How do I know that's true? Matthew 18, verse 20 says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. It's not if you'll get together, I'll come join you. The Lord says where two or three are gathered, I'm there. He got there before you did. He's there. And when we open up the church, the Lord's here. And you come up in and you get to have the privilege of meeting with the Lord. And so if you miss church, you miss an opportunity of meeting with the Lord. You remember Thomas? Disciples, the apostles got together and Jesus had risen from the grave and, and uh, he couldn't believe it. And all of a sudden, Jesus appeared in the, in the midst with them. And the Bible says the door's being shut. It's interesting that says that twice in the two different accounts. The door's being shut. That means he just walked through the wall. He had a glorified body. I'm looking forward to doing that, aren't you? <laughs> Can you imagine that first time? I've been wanting to do this for a long time. And just, you think, I don't know if I should hold my head, if I'm going to bump my head or what, but I just walk through that wall. <laughs> That'll be great. <laughs> but we'll have a glorified body like Jesus someday. And uh, Thomas wasn't there, and they told him about it. Jesus came, and Thomas says, I won't believe it. I won't believe it until I see the prints of the nails in his hands and his feet, and I won't believe it. I just can't imagine that he's alive. I mean, he's dead. We saw him taken from from the cross and wrapped him up like a mummy in the tomb. No, that can't be. So the next time they met together, Thomas was there, and guess what? Jesus appeared again, and the doors being shut, and there he was. And Thomas saw him, and he said, Thomas, reach hither your finger and touch. See, it's me. I don't think Thomas did. I don't think he reached up. He said, my Lord and my God. He was there in the presence of Jesus. And I tell you, when we meet on a Sunday morning, Jesus is here. We assemble in his name. We pray that God will bless the service. And you come expecting a blessing. But sometimes we come and leave and never never realize Jesus was there. So if you miss church, you miss an opportunity to meet with Jesus. You see, there's another reason we should go to church. And that is because we will miss a rehearsal for heaven if we're not there. You ever thought about that? You'll miss a rehearsal for heaven if you're not there. Let me explain it to you. First of all, if we're alive when Jesus comes back, what's going to happen? The Lord says the Lord will come and the trumpet will sound and we'll be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him. Our gathering together unto him. Do you know what? There's only two times that Greek word is used in the Bible. Gathering together unto him. You know the other time? Hebrews ten twenty five. Forsake not the, se- the assembling of yourselves together. Same Greek word. Only two times God uses that. And so the Lord is saying, I believe... You know, when, when I come, you're going to have a special gathering together. Why not do it before I come? Get used to it. You say, well, I'm a lone Christian. I don't go to church anymore. Look at all you're missing out on. And when Jesus comes back, guess who you're going to be gathered together with? All those saints. Yes, they're imperfect. Yes, some of them might have done some things they shouldn't. But they, if they truly know Jesus, they're going to be there. And you'll be ashamed when you realize, you know, I haven't seen you for years. And you're a Christian that goes to that church that I claim to be a part of. I remember when I went to West Virginia, I was visiting around. And uh, they didn't know who I was. <laughs> and I'd go to the house. I'd knock on the door. And uh, I'd introduce myself. And I'd say, you go to church anywhere? Oh, yeah, i go down to Green Bay, regular Baptist. <laughs> Oh, really? I'm the pastor there. I've never seen you. <laughs> that's interesting, you know. Oh, yeah, that's the church I associate, I, I, I say I'm a member of, but I never go. I never go. That would be embarrassing when the Lord gathers us together. The only, the second time he, that that word is used, he gathers us together, and we should have been doing that all along. So we should, we should uh, go to church. It's a rehearsal for heaven. But there's another reason it's a rehearsal. In heaven we'll worship, and how will we worship? Separately? Well we sit over in our own little corner in heaven and say, "Well, I'm worshiping God right here." Now the way you'll worship in heaven is together. We'll worship together. Look, turn with me to Revelation chapter five. Verse eight. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Now the twenty-four elders are probably, most scholars believe, they're represent, representative of the church. And they sung a new song saying, notice, they sang a new song together. <laughs> Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us with by Thy blood, re, redeemed us to God by Thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God's kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Wow! In heaven they're singing that. You see, when we get to heaven, we're going to sing together. We're going to praise the Lord together. We're going to worship together. And so when we meet on this earth in churches, we're actually rehearsing that because that's what we're going to do in heaven. We're going to be together in heaven worshiping the Lord. Look at verse 13. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, heard I say, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sith upon the throne of the Lamb forever and ever. My wife and I were in Florida a couple weeks ago, as you know, and we went to this church where Jason and Christy go. It's a large church, but it was a blessing to be there because they were worshiping the Lord. I wasn't used to that many people. I wasn't used to a full orchestra and a big choir and all of that, but wow, it was good. And just a little foretaste. I mean, it wasn't anything compared to what's going to be in heaven. Can you imagine being in heaven and singing that song with all those multitudes of people and praising the Lord? Well, let's do a little bit of it down here to get ready. Rehearsal for heaven. But then there's a final reason that we should worship, that we should go to church, and that is because Jesus is coming. You see, Jesus is coming. Hebrews 10, 25 says this. He says... Uh, Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. You see, because that day is nearer, our church attendance should be better. We should attend church even more, not less. Jesus is coming. It could be very soon. We could say, well, that was written back almost 2,000 years ago. He hadn't come yet. just means he's 2,000 years sooner than he was back then. And Jesus could come at any moment. He could come to take us home, and we should be ready for that. Jesus is coming. As the day of his return nears, we will need to go to church more and more. The Bible says that the world's going to get worse and worse, and it surely has. The world's getting worse and more wicked all the time. I mean, wickedness abounds in the United States. Church is a place that we should go because it's a place that's sort of the calm out of the storm. And you who are working jobs out there, and you go to the job and you hear people cursing all the time and telling dirty jokes and making filthy remarks, and, and they don't fear God and all that. But you come to church and you don't hear any of that. Isn't that a blessing? Isn't it a blessing to be able to do that? And we need to come to church. People, God's people meeting together is in stark contrast to what the world has out there. And we should delight in that. We should enjoy that because the world's getting worse. Jesus is coming. He says so much the more as you see the day approaching. As we draw nigh to him collectively, he will draw nigh to us. And I believe, that as, as it says, where two or three are gathered together, I'm there with him in the midst. You see, I know that the Lord's always with us because he indwells us. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But there's a special way the Lord is with us where two or three are gathered together. And so we need to, we need to go to church because Jesus is coming. We need instruction from his word. The church is is a refueling station, you might say, uh, for us. Since the time's getting very close and Jesus could be here any moment, I mean, we need to be refueled. We need to be challenged from the word of God. We need to be reminded like we are today how we need to keep coming to church. We need that. It's like your car. You know, you go on a trip and what do you have to do? Every so often you have to stop and refuel. Our son and daughter-in-law were telling us while we were in Florida about some friends of theirs they had as they lived in Lakeland, but they they moved, and also these friends moved. These friends moved, I think it was Georgia. And not long ago, they came to see them. Well, what they had done since that, they had bought them an electric car. And they thought, we're going to drive this electric car all the way to Florida. That's going to be a blessing. It was a nightmare. (laughs) They couldn't find a place to recharge. (laughs) And they found themselves parking, you know, places and waiting, and, and they couldn't get to get the car recharged. And it took them way over twice as long to get there and to go back as it would have if they just had a gasoline car. But it doesn't matter whether it's gasoline or electric. Electric. What do you need? You need to be recharged. Christians need that, and God says we're to assemble that way, uh, assemble for that purpose. We need to be recharged. We need the word of God. We need each other. We need people ministering to us, us and us ministering them. We need that. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. And what is that day when Jesus comes? We should come to church because Jesus is coming. You see, if Jesus would come today and you weren't in church, you would meet the one who was building his church and he added you to it. You're one of those living stones that he put in his church. It was a glorious day when you got saved. But you, and you're going to meet the one who put you in the church. And you're going to be ashamed that even though he put you in his church, you never met with your brothers or sisters in Christ. Or not very often. It didn't mean much to you. It didn't mean much at all. And so you didn't go to church. You're going to see the one who died for your sins and rose from the grave. You'll see the nail prints at his hands. You'll be like Thomas and you'll see it. And you realize, Lord, the only reason I'm walking on these golden streets is because of you. It's not because of me. It's not that I deserve it. I don't deserve it. I deserve to go to hell. But here I am in heaven, Lord, and uh, I didn't go to church. I didn't serve you. I didn't help my brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're going to see Jesus, and we're going to face Him. We're going to see the one who worked in our lives to make us what we should be, and we fought Him, and we balked Him, and we didn't want to do what He wanted us to do, and yet we're really saved, and we've been grieving the Lord, and all of a sudden the trumpet sounds, and we're there. We're standing in front of the one that was working with us, and we would not submit. We should go to church because we're going to see the one who who led us to a church to feed us on God's word. He brought us to a local church. We were we were active for a while, but after that, we just sort of got away from it and quit going, making excuses. And they didn't. And we quit going to church. And we're going to see the one who put us in that local church. He wanted us to be there. He wanted us to contribute. He wanted us to serve him there, and we quit. We quit. Our excuses that we give for not going to church will seem pretty flimsy when we get to heaven. I just say to you today, don't allow the devil to fool you by using the excuses that he offers. Years ago, I heard evangelists evangelist and his wife sing this song. I'm not going to sing it to you today. It was made popular, I believe, by the Kingsman, probably 30-some years ago or more. It goes like this, excuses, excuses, you'll hear them every day. And the devil, he'll supply them if from church you'll stay away. When people come to know the Lord, the devil always loses. So to keep those folks away from church, he offers them excuses. In the summer, it's too hot. In the winter, it's too cold. In the springtime, when the weather's just right, you find someplace else to go. Well, it's up to the mountains or down to the beach or to visit some old friend or just to stay home and kind of relax and hope some of the kin folks will drop in. Well, the church benches are too hard or the church choir sings too loud. Boy, you know how nervous you get when you're sitting in a great big crowd. The doctor told you, now you better watch them crowds, they'll set you back. But you go to that old ball game because you say it helps you to relax. Well, a headache Sunday morning and a backache Sunday night, and by, t- by work time Monday morning, you're feeling quite all right. While one of the children has a cold pneumonia, you suppose, well, the whole family stay- had to stay home just to blow that poor kid's nose. Excuses, excuses, you'll hear them all every day. And the devil will supply them if from church you stay away. When people come to know the Lord, the devil always loses. So to keep them folks away from church, he offers them excuses. Well, the preacher, he's too young, and maybe he's too old. The sermons, they're not hard enough, or maybe they're too bold. His voice is much too quiet-like. Sometimes he gets too loud. He needs to have more dignity, or else he's way too proud. Well, the sermons, they're, not, they're too long, and maybe they're too short. He ought to preach the Word of God with dignity instead of stomp and snort. Well, that preacher we've got just... must That preacher we've got... Must be the world's most stuck up man. Well the other day I heard a lady say he didn't even shake my hand. (laughs) Excuses, excuses. You'll hear them every day. And the devil will supply them if from church you stay away. When people come to know the Lord, the devil always loses. So to keep those folks away from church, he offers them excuses. Now you might blast at some of the things about that I just mentioned, but let's be honest. Many have used the same excuses. We wrap them up in more dignified terms, but we many times use the same excuses. It seems funny to us now as we read this, but I'll tell you something it won't seem funny when you stand before Jesus. Jesus is coming back. Let's be sure we're faithful in church attendance and that we serve the Lord. Because at church, we're edified by the word of God. We're encouraged by God's people to go out and face another week and trust the Lord and serve the Lord and then come back next week to be recharged again. Let's pray. Father, thank you for helping us to see from the scripture that we need to go to church. Lord, I just pray that we might understand this is not an issue between the people, and the pastor. This is an issue between the people, between us and you because you're the one who tells us to go to church. And I pray that we'd be faithful in that. Thank you for these good people, Lord. And I pray that you would help them to be what you want them to be. And Lord, help me to be what I need to be too. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name.